don't know. Can you scoot over, Shell? You don't need Searching to be this close. Shit. I don't want to chill. Scoot so I'm not listening to the I'm chair creaking. But then I'm not going to be on screen. Here, scoot. <laughs> there scoot you go. for me, Shell. Shell, like, whenever we do podcasts, whenever we're recording non-podcasts, Shell, you know, sits a reasonable distance, but Shell, uh, because we're together on a webcam, she's like, I got to be as close to you as possible. We've got these, like, leather chairs that rub against each other, and it's like, creak, creak, creak. <laughs> well, it's because they have arms, so... I'm so, Bird, we're learning, I that, you played, uh, we're, lear- we're learning that Wanda's <laughs> not into ASMR. New. So, so, well, Bird, do you consider a leather episode? chair sound to be ASMR? I consider no. that to be like... <laughs> yeah, that's just infuriating. <laughs> Wait, your example cool. of ASMR is the sound that wind makes in a camcorder? <laughs> cool. So, Bert. yeah, Wanda was about to lead into the first topic. Yeah, um, so, Bird, I heard you play, played a, a, a waifu game. Please talk about it so that we game. can make everyone stop talking about it forever. Yeah, There's so, so many of them. Um, I played a game one? called Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, Ladybird and I played through it through it this morning, um, and we. Uh, well, I mean, I heard about it. It's like one of those kind of meme games, like Undertale and stuff like that, where they're like, "Oh, we're you know, we want you to play this," and it's really popular and a lot like just word of mouth, especially. And so, I think all of us have heard of it. And I assume all of us have people saying, play Doki Doki Literature Club and stuff like that. Well, allow me to dash all those people's dreams. Because <laughs> I think that between all of us, I'm the only one who played it. And I'm going to say that I don't think any of us are going to actually play it and record it. Um, so, oh, did you not record it? Did you just play it? I did it not record it. No, camera? I just played it. Did- I played it. So I didn't play it what, because I thought it would be too. I didn't record it because I thought it'd be too memey. But I wanted to see what it would be like. Oh. <laughs> so what's your abysmal sense. review then? Uh, it's slow. It's <laughs> glacially slow. Well, it's a visual novel, right? It's a visual novel, and like the 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 problem. I I don't want to talk about it because the more I talk about it. Like, that kind of undermines it, and there are people that are probably big fans of this, or people that are really interested in playing it, so, you know, you should play it, but, like, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, the, the problem is that it it's, it it's one of those games that has a lot of commentary about games in it. It's huh. very meta, it's very fourth wall breaking, kind of like that very trendy thing, um that I've kind of seen a lot of games do over the past couple of years. And this is, is just something... A, yeah? Is it because it's like a literature club? Do they talk about common like plot tropes or things while speaking of literature? No, I or? wish. That would actually no? be kind of neat. I don't want to oh. spoil it, but it does talk about that sort of stuff. Um, you know what's like really it, good at spoiling actually, it is a Google image search or opening the Steam page and seeing the news feed about the game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. It's very, very, very easy to spoil. Um, but it, it's heavily reliant on a twist. It's very, like, meta and fourth wall breaky. Um, it's super duper graphic. So heed those uh, warnings oh. if you want to play the game. It's very, very intense. There's no, um, we, death, right? Yes. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those visual novels that's like, we're going to get edgy. Oh, oh, it's very edgy. I, <laughs> I, I didn't like, know it was going to be murder. Like, like, the only image I've ever seen of it is, like, a, maybe a red-headed girl and a blue-haired girl with, like, 
I don't know. Yeah, that seems to be there. the point. Like it wants to surprise <laughs> you, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I, I've heard that if you launch the game, it warns you about graphic content as if and like violent content. I think, which is like yeah, kind of and dispels to be the fair, shock factor. To be fair, it is very graphic and very violent. So I think that, that was a good call because whoa, it's uh, it's heavy. But uh, the, so the, the were you problem playing I had it alone with it, or with Ladybird? I played it with Ladybird, and uh, I. I thought it was going to be a very different game from what it ended up being, but uh, we played it together, and um, it it's just like, I guess, uh, like I, like I was saying, it's 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 something that I've seen before. Like I've seen lots of video games that talk about like that break the fourth wall and like talk about what it's like to be a video game and like playing video games and like what it's like to make video games and stuff like that. And this game goes into that and it doesn't really make it all that different from anything I've seen before. Um, It's very, it's very much like stuff that I've seen, even in flash games going back to like 2008 that like dive into that sort of territory. Uh, And then I guess the other thing I've mentioned before that it's really slow. I, I really can't emphasize this enough. It is very very slow uh i would say the game takes about four hours for it to start to kind of pick up the pace and become interesting and mm. after that it slows down again dramatically for like another two hours and then and then it kind of drives towards the end a little bit more um and for the message and the content of the game the pacing is does being that slow like doesn't justify it and is like excruciating to get through because outside of the stuff that matters, it's an extremely, extremely like on the nose, just like visual novel dating thing, like very, very, very transparent. I feel like um, it would be torture for me to play. Yes. I have it would no be. interest in I'm any kinda, dating sim ever. That's kind of why I'm bringing this up because I think it will like, like it's kind of like eating for you guys it would be like eating a sandwich with like one slice of cheese in the middle that's yeah. really really good but like the bread is like four inches thick like, <laughs> like I, I have played like 150 episodes of yakuza games and have specifically avoided the one part that's a dating sim <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh it's a dating yeah. sim goodbye forever and i, I just left I've, uh the other thing that i think is really they kind of um diminished it for me on a kind of a more personal level, I guess, was that uh, um, a number of years ago, I had, I had the same sort of thoughts about like how to make some, an interesting visual novel game. And I thought to myself like, Oh, what would be really cool is if I made the visual novel where, um, you know, things start to break down a little bit and it becomes very weird and surreal. And like what you, what you're seeing isn't matching up with what you're reading and like Hmm. playing with the format and stuff like that. And so I never made anything like that, but that kind of, that's sort of what this experience is like. And I thought to myself, like, well, if I had this idea and I didn't even feel like making it. And other that means that like lots of people have probably had this idea. And then this guy was just the first person to make it. Do and it in any kind of like releasable that, sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, and something about that just kind of like actually made me like it a little bit less, weirdly enough, because <laughs> I felt like it didn't. Because you had the ideal already, so you didn't. It was yeah, like it a, didn't live an, up to your expectations you. of what that idea could have been. And then the problem is, if you ever want yeah. to make something in the future, that's, people are going to be like, you based it off of this, yes. and it's that's, like, that's no. The, that's the most personal disappointment ever. <laughs> I know it's really weird, but I guess what I'm saying is that like. Uh, my my assumption is then that like lots of people have had an idea for to make something like this, and this is the first guy that actually made it, which sort of diminishes the creativity of it to me in a weird way because I can see like how it kind of would come to be because I can see like this is how I would make it, so I can see how they would make it, and for these reasons, I devalued making it. So I then uh, like have this weird process where I'm applying to them and like their work, the reasons that I wouldn't make it, which is super personal and super weird, but that's just kind of the way that it goes. Um, and then one final note about it is that like, um, in a lot of video games and like stuff that I've been working on personally and like stories that I've written, a lot of them, I kind of really enjoy the, 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 the fourth wall breaking like meta aspect and stuff like that. And I've always kind of wanted to put like a little point of that into the stuff that I work on, even though I never finished anything and showed it off and stuff like that. But um, after seeing something do that and be very successful, I no longer want to see that idea done by anybody else because mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to become trite from this point forward. What, the fourth wall breaking? Well, yeah. fourth wall breaking, like, I know people have always talked about Deadpool breaking the fourth wall, and then there are a lot of, uh, oh, there's just been this rash Undertale, of, Pony Island. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. exactly like the Pony Island and Undertale type of thing, and, like, this is kind of the latest in a series of games that, like, explore the same themes in their fourth wall breaking that Undertale and Pony Island did. And there's also the horror game I'm Scared. To, you guys ever hear about uh, that one? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, I'm scared it would, like, crash when you died, and then a new text file would show up in the folder with the executable and stuff like that. And, like, the yeah. text files would contain information, and then you'd launch the executable, and the executable would be in a different place than it was last time, and I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, so stuff like that. And, I mean, I won't spoil this game too much, but it does go into things like that happening, and it has those mechanics. And it feels done. Like, at this point, it just feels like stuff that I've seen already. And I don't want to see other games do it. I mean, it, it would be, like, impressed by a movie. It's like watching a movie that acknowledges, like, that it's a movie. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything new because that's been something that people did a hundred yeah. years ago. So like I take it you wouldn't, be, wall like that. you wouldn't be fond of watching series of unfortunate events where... Uh, I think it's Patrick Warburton or something, just keeps narrating directly to the camera in every other scene. That's fine, <laughs> as long as they don't make that the central purpose of the movie. Oh, Shakespeare, to too, that, was funny yeah, with that, that, as well. That exactly. Point. That's what I'm saying. Shakespeare did it with plays and stuff, and as a result, yeah. you don't see... New new plays don't come out that say, like, ho oh, ho, wear a play, this is cool. Like, it's... I think it's time to... Like, I'm glad that somebody made this, and I think it's cool, and, I like, I think that... It's maybe, neat to see something that I envisioned instead of meta. Yeah, it was. It's neat to me to see something that I envisioned being something that could be made, actually be made. Like that's kind of a neat experience. But 
um, I don't want to see anything more like it again. Like, I don't want there to be like ripoffs or like leaping off from it and stuff. Like, I need, I think it needs to, the, the themes that it explores needs to be done at this point. And what about all the games? That's the or... best way I can describe and review this without spoiling anything. <laughs> I think I what did an okay all... job. <laughs> I noticed that there's also been a lot of games and movies recently that, especially in, in regards to like video games, uh, they break that wall and they have the characters acknowledge that they are in a game, whether they're the human that somehow finds themselves trapped in it or they're the characters that become self-aware that things aren't as they should be. Um, uh-huh. Like, Wreck-It Ralph was doing it. Uh, yep. All of these new series. Uh, Lego Pat movie. It was probably one of the earlier anime, right? And now you have things there's, like SAO of, and... Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. huge trend. Horizon. There's a huge trend in like uh, Japanese Log media Horizon, that's yeah. like people stuck in video games and... They all do People it so poorly. Like, it's a yeah. billion different flavors of the same thing, and it's like... That's ah, exactly what it is. It. It's like... um, Even yeah. when you're playing Undertale hack. or something, where it's, like, Sans' big thing at the very end of the game is that he can manipulate, like, saves, and he acknowledges, like, oh, you you can just save and reload the game and stuff like that. Like, that... Even when I saw that, like, that was already an old idea. So this is a game that takes that and like is the same flavor of that sort of stuff. And it's not new. It wasn't new like to these other games like Pony Island and stuff like that. And it's not new in this one. And I'm getting bored of it. I think one of the reasons I kind of like uh, when I was playing Undertale, I was doing my full time job still. So I had an interruption. And I couldn't get back to it for a while. But then I, I think one of the reasons why I've been resistant to getting back to it for like the last two years now, despite people keep bringing it up constantly and why I bounced it? off of Doki Doki and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is that like it's like a really specific issue that only a Let's Player can really experience. But it's this weird feeling of like knowing that your audience is doing this like was almost like dance monkey dance thing where it's like I've seen another let's player do this exact moment and they reacted this way and now I want to see you mm. get to that same part and react the same way basically and it's like this weird yeah. feeling of like every, well, I want to yeah. see every let's player play the same we were, game and react to the same part and I'm like I, I just want to we play some weird this shit before the podcast and I described it as like playing a game and you feel the whole time like there's somebody just like watching over your shoulder with their face yeah. open just like are you going to get the punchline are you gonna get it? Here it comes. Yeah, and like, I can't believe he's not commenting on the music. Is so a thing I get in specific <laughs> parts of Zelda games and stuff. And I'm like, I, I feel that in Zelda too when I'm playing the two that aren't new because I've because I've been yeah. playing Ocarina and Wind Waker and there's so many moments of like, oh, they want me to. Re- I know they want they they're expecting me to react to specific things in specific ways at different times and it's like that's. I don't like mm-hmm. that feeling the way it, I like. It's nice playing. It's one of the nice things about playing new games constantly is that there are not so many precon pre-existing mm-hmm. expectations of how you're going to react to every single moment of it which is nice and i suppose when i said earlier that i didn't want to record it because i felt like it'd be too memey that really speaks to the heart of like what i'm talking about where i'd feel yeah. like this constant pressure to be like oh i need to react to them the the, the 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 meme way for people to get like their total enjoyment out of this yeah you know? so like of- i, I I always wonder about like if I go back to Undertale and I like relearn where I am and figure out again the steps I need to take to get the pacifist ending because I lost track of where I was after two years, 
And then what? I'm going to recreate the same thing that everyone else already <laughs> did and, ho- and hope I do it right? <laughs> like, it's so unappealing, even though I hate mm-hmm. not having it be unfinished. Because, yeah, I, I so finished neutral is what happened. In that vein, we were playing Last of Us for Halloween and then a couple days afterwards. And one of the developers of Last of Us was there arguing with us on the morality in our actions. And I was like, huh. Wait, what? Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> what? Last of Us, remember? the uh, One of the artists. Well, was what were chat. they arguing with us about? Because uh, I didn't he, know there was an he, argument going on. Uh, he didn't think Joel did the right thing at the very end of the game. And I'm not going to say more than that because it is such a big moment. Oh, like anybody well, that I, I actually thought that it was bad initially, too. But then I thought through it and I was like, ah, I know why he See, did See, I, I was like fully behind this decision and I was like totally vindicated the whole way through. But the developer was talking about like, you know, how this is like such a, you know, such a awful thing for many reasons and i'm just like nope don't agree with you i'm with the I, um, developer <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i'm it's I mean, he was, a divisive he was, thing i'm just he was on the, by the fact that now you got naughty dog people in your audience i'm like what what the hell yeah <laughs> this is a live stream this so scaling was, up this much <laughs> i well i so i recently got partnered on twitch so i'm starting to get more viewers too next year uh, you have so like ben can chair in your audience that would be weird. Oh wait, no, I Who's beat you to that. Wait, I just remembered that he was he he wasn't he was watching our Artemis series. I forgot about that. Um so can I can I tell two short stories before we move on? Yeah, uh, to there's more one, longer talking One thing topics? about about uh Last of Us real quick is uh mm, Okay. I had one issue with it, which is that mm. So the game ends with a decision, right? But it's not your decision. Yeah. yeah. But they make you play the decision like it's your decision. And that that kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Because they frame it like you can make a choice in that moment. Like it's an, like it's a Deus Ex type game where you do in, in like gameplay decisions in the moment, like about what to do. And but you can't at all. And if you and in fact it makes the scene worse because you have you get you can like sit there and control it and just like kind of break the scene by refusing to do the thing for a while and kind of ruining the climax of the game in a weird way. I thought that was a weird choice. Yeah, it was. I I hope they learn from it for for the sequel because, I mean, they were fantastic games. Uh, the first one was fantastic and the yeah. second one looks like it's going to be amazing. Is it is it like those games in which you're supposed to do like a quick time action or something and it's the, maybe the final decision of the game and you think that there's choice... But if you quote unquote fail the choice, you just reload to the same choice again, and then Weren't it's you, like, didn't you? We I you just there? immediately selected the oh. decision. I didn't. Yeah, oh, he so, didn't you did, so she didn't know that there was a moment. Okay, no, it's yeah. just you sit there. You just sit there <laughs> until you do the thing you're supposed to do, and it, you can sit <laughs> oh there God, for like twenty minutes worst. if you want to. I think that you can so even weird, like though, I'm thinking shoot back to the like scene. walls <laughs> and crap and like waste time. It's 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 a weird choice that not be just a cutscene. They it's like those make old you Zelda games it. where it's like, do you accept this quest? Yes, no. And you say no. And they're like, the answer, oh, are you sure? Yes. Or, or you accidentally <laughs> press yes when no is the second option. And then Kapora Gabor is like, oh, then I will give you my long rent all over uh, again. What, what they yeah, did is they made, it, they made it so the final interaction is that you have to do the action that Joel's doing. So it feels like you're complicit in it or in on the decision that he's making. But they mm. didn't want to do like a cheesy quick time event on the screen because it would ruin the moment. But they did something else that can also ruin the moment. So it's it's a weird thing. It's weird. So, uh, 
topic change, if you don't mind, just so we can get through some yeah. things. Uh, so I'm playing a game called Seven, which I would throw in the exact same bin as Elex. Uh, if, if you guys have been paying attention to that game from the last podcast, it's a game that, like, is good, sort of. If it weren't for, like, predecessors, it would have stood out as, like, an amazing game. But as, it's, as it stands, it just kind of ends up as being this, like, sort of good product. But, like, compared to even Dragon Age Inquisition, it just ends up feeling a little bit janky and, like, you know, would have been amazing a couple of years ago. Um, so seven is kind of much the same way. It's, uh, if you guys have seen satellite rain or whatever, it's, it's one of those like open world explore heist, steal stuff, so on and so forth type games. Um, and you know, very high focus on stealth almost immediately you're thrown into a, uh, you have to heist something from a mansion, which is fine. Uh, but they don't tutorialize it at all. So they don't teach you how to stealth attack and in fact unlike most uh stealth based games you can't uh you can't kill your enemies in one shot so pretty much attacking them is like not a failure state because you can fight them off but uh it's like an immediate uh well stealth is out the window time to fight uh and then you get like mobbed by guards which is usually a failure state um but in this case uh I I tried sneaking in, got caught for what I thought was kind of bullshit reasons, tried to fight, and then every single guard in the area shows up to attack me. I'm like, okay, whatever. So there's one guard in the very beginning that's supposed to like kind of tutorialize combat for you. I killed him, took his clothing, and I'm just like, eh, screw it. Let's see what happens when I just put clothing on. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? Well, it turns out if you put the clothing on, every NPC in the game reacts to you as though you're a part of that faction. So sure. I was suddenly... Yeah. A guard. Makes sense. I could walk in front of them and steal shit and they wouldn't do anything because I belonged there. But mm -hmm. they would react to my presence as though they could hear me without the outfit on. So I'd walk by a guard and they'd be like, who goes there? And they'd like turn to look at me. And Oh, hey, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd just take something in front of them and they'd like walk towards me getting suspicious, but like it never fills up because he they can't see me. I'm, I'm actually considered invisible by the game. Uh, even though like, I'm, you know, very visible. I'm just in disguise. Uh, so I, I finished the tutorial. You get captured, you get thrown in prison, whatever. And you're almost immediately like given a bunch of side quests. So you can like start building your supplies back. Cause you've lost all your thief gear and your weapons and stuff like that. Instead, I immediately, uh, I, I immediately just robbed some guy blind because he would never turn around. So I just took his weapon because um, there's a pickpocketing thing in the game. Uh, and so I just pickpocket the guy, take his uh, take his weapons, run off, find one guard. And I hit him a couple of times, then run away, hide in a bush and like 30 guards mob the whole area. And I'm just like, uh, they're not going to find me. Right. And they all stand next to the bush that I'm directly next to. And they're like, where'd he go? He's gone. And then, you know, they lose the little alert symbol. And then I just walk out in front of them, walk back, hit the guy some more, kill him, take his clothes, hide back in the bushes again. And then uh, from this point on, I have become one of the, like, end game guards for the game. And, like, when you scan over them, it says, like, impossible to fight, like, don't even bother, challenge the lethal and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I'm now wearing his equipment. Uh, so... You know, there's all these objectives that's like sneak past the checkpoint. I just walk straight through it. 
<laughs> uh, I was supposed to like steal something from a guarded facility. I just walk uh-huh. in, I grab it, and they, none of them react except for like being like, "Who goes there?" So like, I walked into a warehouse that's supposed to have all these like va- valuable things in them. And to be fair, uh, there was actually like a fair amount of valuable stuff in, uh, like in there. And I was just grabbing it in front of them, and they just—they didn't even react. They were just—they were just like, "Who goes there?" And so I left like with endgame equipment within the first hour of the game, and I've more or less been rinsing, repeating through the entire thing. I don't even know how the stealth works. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure it's like pretty self-explanatory. I just haven't bothered with it because who needs stealth when you're invisible because you're wearing somebody else's clothing? A skitter approach. It is great. <laughs> just be invisible, and then you yeah. stealth. Question mark. <laughs> I'm watching Wander playing Xenoblade right now, and I swear, I think one of his party members used pole dancing as an attack. Okay, so that's the other thing I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm done with the, uh, now that I'm done with you the have uh, my seventh. Okay, so Xenoblade Chronicles is a uh, is a series. They had a really really successful JRPG on the Wii that. They only released like I want to say a hundred thousand copies in the U.S. It was like some oh, yeah. ridiculously you, low. People quantity. would have to buy it for like eighty. Yeah, to there was bucks a huge like there was a huge movement to petition to get the game ported to the U.S. and uh, Europe and stuff because I guess they just decided that uh, it wouldn't perform well in the U.S. and it, and like. I ended up buying a used copy of the game for eighty bucks because that was the no, only no, no, way no. I could. No, no, we got it. it for forty. It was oh, a good deal. right, we got it on sale. It was eighty normally, but we got it on sale at like a random GameStop. Um, but you know, I was super excited to get it. Never actually covered it on YouTube because uh, it preceded my channel, but I always wanted to. And then there was Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was not a sequel, and in fact, n- po- probably not even the same universe. So kind of Final Fantasy style. Uh, they have just races fr- that carry over and stuff. Yeah. It's a Xenoverse, obviously. Yeah, and uh, this is the uh, director that made Xenosaga and Xenogears. Oh, and really? Xenosaga? Yeah, oh. so, the same so all the Xeno games are related. Okay, I thought I was going sort crazy of. with these names. Yeah, they're, they're different universes. <laughs> yeah, so like they're different so universes. Xeno series. I can't keep any of them straight. Uh, it's effectively this one uh, director. He has wanted to make a game, like a specific type of game for ages, but he's never succeeded, and so he kind of keeps rehashing similar ideas in different ways. And I think, like, the masterpiece really was Xenoblade. Uh, I don't think Xenogears ever got finished, or Xenosaga. I don't know. I never so played it's them. It's like Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, kind like, of. Here's a series, and here's another similarly named series. And it's like, because they have, they have SMT, then they have Digital Devil Summer, Summoner, and then there's probably other things. And then also Persona. And they yeah. just keep adding more, but they're all kind of spinning off the same gameplay trope or whatever. Yeah. So this uh, this kind of does the same thing. So X was kind of like this slightly edgier, slightly more like sci-fi. They were trying to like a lot of new things. And some yeah, like hit, mech some, battles and yeah, stuff. They had, it was the first JRPG that I've ever played where you could hop in a mech suit and then keep playing JRPG style in a mech suit. And you had like increased uh increased stats accordingly and stuff like that it was cool but i thought was cool about the original xenoblade was everyone lived on the dead bodies of massive yeah these two giant machines had killed themselves and then life had started on it yeah it was such a cool trope uh so this actually uh, goes all the way down (laughs) yeah xenoblade chronicles 2 goes back to that everybody lives on the back of these giant animals but they're alive yeah yeah the animals are alive in this one and moving around so, like, they actually have mechanics for, like, 
how to figure out where they are so they don't get like stranded out at sea, uh, which is neat. Uh, but they also have kind of a monster collection system slash gotcha system, which kind of sucks. Uh, it's one of those where you find these crystal cores and you can get new companion characters by uh, by opening them up and they will. Uh, yeah, they will. Uh, <laughs> fell off the edge. Yeah. Uh, they will have like a random companion character in it. And there's, I think, 50 to choose from, but only like 30 uniques. Whoa, what? I didn't know there were that many. Sort of. But the thing is, none of the companion characters, they're all kind of pseudo randomly generated. They can be like a tank, an attacker, a healer, you know, MMO roles. And, uh, and they will have like a random element associated with them and a random weapon. And maybe the uniques have specific weapons. And he's been I'm not fighting entirely a lot sure. of crabs. Um, but, uh, yeah, currently I'm grinding so I can get more because my audience is like, more gotcha. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, but so we were looking it up because I wanted to see how many unique, uh, like, what the best ones were. So I knew what to look out for. The answer is all of them are waifus. What? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, like, so that's why, because I know that Pyra is, like, the main one that you're paired with. But then... I noticed that this blue lady came up, and I'm like, yeah. what's, what's going on here? Yeah, so I just opened up, like, a random shitty core, and out pops this lady, and almost immediately the jiggle physics just start oh. going insane. And she uses a spear, so, of course, her attack, her attacking style is pole dancing. Duh. And so every time I use a special attack with her, it's pole dancing. And I just am sitting here feeling kind of wildly uncomfortable, because I'm like... I really liked the first Xenoblade because, like, they didn't have any of this. The it, first Xenoblade didn't have any, like, It had, like, weird... two female characters, and they were modestly dressed and uh, the first one fairly really modestly... interestingly different and fresh shaped. for the entire JRPG genre in the way that neither of the sequels so far look. Yeah. Uh, the, sec- the second one was kind of okay, but the third one definitely feels like a return to generic jrpg tropes across the board uh the one thing that kind of stands out for the whole series is the voice acting which is like actually the most divisive voice acting i've ever ever heard of um instead of having american voice actors which they usually do they have like a ton of welsh and irish people uh so like the original xenoblade was all british though yeah it was all it was all Brit- british uh and shell had actually pointed this out that Everybody's so used to kind of the prim and proper English accent, and we're not used to Cockney or Welsh or whatever, you know, the, the thicker British which are accents. great. That's the best part yeah. of Nino Cooney, which I was otherwise too bored to finish. But the, your fairy friend is like, I think he's Welsh, and it's yeah. great. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, this is completely different. It's almost like a fantasy character or something. But, <laughs> the thing is, the main character in this is like an older Welsh guy. Yeah, the voice actor is a little bit too old for the kid that's that's the protagonist. And I'm like, just age the main character up. He'd match perfectly, but no. It's already weird that he's uh, wearing shorts under his armor. Yeah, yeah so it's the weird... That's the thing I hate the most about the game. He's wearing a diving suit. And when he's not diving, he takes off the like a lot of it because, you know, warm, I guess. Otherwise, he just looks like he's... I- some weird snowman. But he's wearing pants, I, I but the pants Google only cover the outer half. I did a image of the protagonist the other day, and I could not find a single result in all of the images where he's actually wearing the helmet. <laughs> he uh, just has a, I, a bowl helmet sticking out the back of his neck all the time. Yeah, I thought it, it was like some so kind of weird reactor that was off his back. But no, that ends up being just the uh, the carrying case for the uh, generic mascot character that 
is his grandfather. His grandfather what, so becomes a So what percentage a tiny of the critter. game have you seen that helmet on his head? Uh, the, it's shown a lot in the first part of the game. And then whenever you do the little treasure hunting mini game, diving, and yeah. then other than than that, he never puts it on ever. Though huh. it it it's frequently like falls off in combat. Yeah, well, it frequently falls off in cutscenes and stuff, which is kind of amusing. Like it'll get knocked away, and like <laughs> normally games would just like leave it there, and it just looks stupid. But no, they actually treat it as an object, hmm. and I'm almost impressed by their commitment to it. Does everyone already know the story about why the voices were that way last time around? Um, I don't remember the the reason for Xenoblade Chronicles 1 now. So what happened is the reason the real reason for Operation Rainfall, the petition thing, was because Xenoblade and Last Story, first of all, there was just Wii fans in the United States that are like, we don't have any real video games. We just have like party games and the next we Mario game story. to wait for. Yeah, we got Last Story I, I'm, as well. The, I'm, yeah, that's the story that I'm talking about is... Uh, yeah. They did Operation Rainfall to, to just petitioning Nintendo to localize these games because those were two games that they put out in only Europe. It's mm. like they never came out to the United States, even though they were already in English. And so, like, just just give them to us. And so that's why the ah, that's why Xenoblade has is all is all yeah, Welsh. It's all British. localized for Europe because it only came out in Europe for like a year or two, and then they're like, then they just gave that version to us. Mm. And so Same that's why like- it's so different it's it's the most memorable thing about the game from from like the story perspective about like talking about its general just just talking about it as like its place in the industry is like it's like oh it's this weird thing with european voice acting but that's just a a side effect of like low effort porting because as a result of a petition it's it's a why did they exclude north america and other countries from it they didn't think it would sell well money Yeah. yeah Japan's always been kind of tepid about releasing in U.S. markets because uh, it's oh, yeah. expensive. I'm still there's still, still multiple Yakuza games I'll never be able to play because they're Japanese only, and you that's a hard <laughs> barrier to break. I still remember when I was a kid being upset about how for the Japanese release of I forget if it was gold, silver, and crystal, or if it was just like in those first two, but. You could actually play a mini game in one of the like cities that you encounter in the middle of uh, the game, and you can actually find a way to acquire Celebi. Pokemon Gold and Silver. Yeah, Pokemon. Uh, okay. And Celebi is like one of those uh, legendary Pokemon that you can only get from special events. You know, you have to have them downloaded. Now, of course, they do it at any GameStop or <laughs> or convention. You can download them that way. Uh, over their Wi-Fi or whatnot, or get the special cards. (laughs) Huh? About yeah, they started partnering uh, once. Once Pokemon started getting like uh, you know, online connectivity, they're just like, let's just um, let's just give everyone these legendaries for free. Let's not make them come to conventions or special events. But there used to be special events for Mew and Celebi. But I remember being like, I remember. (laughs) And but yeah, in I think. Japanese players could actually get Celebi in their game, but they took out the whole like section of the building that would have gone into one of these Pokemon centers or whatever. Yeah, and they I just know what you're talking about. There's it. a shrine in the in the woods. Yeah, the shrine typically. in the woods, the bell. Yep, that gave you Celebi. I almost bought Pokemon Silver in Japanese before I realized that foreign languages were really a thing. Like I knew they were a thing, <laughs> but like you know, I knew I knew there was like Spanish, but like. I had never actually seen Japanese before, Wouldn't and like be I knew there was Chinese, but uh, you wouldn't so, even like, be able I, to recognize the letters, let alone yeah, read it. Well, that's the thing. I picked it up at a GameStop, uh, and I was like eleven. I want to say tops, 
Uh, like this is super these, early on in my gaming. What are these GameStops you're going to? I'm confused. You I find eighty dollar copies of games and Japanese versions of games at GameStop, and I'm really confused. Yeah, they sound like good GameStops. <laughs> they are good GameStops. I I've had nothing but exposure to like decent ones for what some weird reason. I've never heard of it even here. being within the realm of possibility for that chain. I'm so confused. Uh, but they had it in a glass case, and I was like, "Mom, it's Pokemon Silver. It's early." Can we buy it? And she like, like <laughs> she like comes over and looks at it and she's like in Japanese. No. <laughs> this is in Japanese. You're not gonna know what you're doing. And I'm like, yes, I will. It's Pokemon. Like, duh. Uh we didn't get it. I was I had so, to wait, but that was okay. I was so upset when my cousin had gotten Pokemon Gold, and I'm like, uh, but Crystal came out, you know, maybe I'll get that. But I still had a Game Boy Pocket. But the Game Boy Pocket and the original Game Boy still played uh, silver and gold just fine, even though they were the Game Boy Color releases. So I remember getting Crystal and it wouldn't run on my Game Boy. And I'm like, no. So I had to get silver instead uh, in return. I'm just imagining. Oh, yeah, because it was uh, an import cart, right? Well, it was was weird because uh, for gold and silver... It would just make everything black and white if you had a Game Boy Pocket or an original Game Boy release. Oh, um, but uh-huh. for some reason, it only allowed you to play on the Game Boy Color. And then from then on, you had to keep getting the new systems. You couldn't just put in a Game Boy Color cart into a black and white system. Gotta sell them <sighs> SKUs. <laughs> Listen, Nintendo has never not made their handheld market kind of confusing. Yeah, there's like three versions of each release, and some of them work on everything, and some of them don't. And then it's some of them only just have gotten an worse. Eye on their name. Lady Bird was uh, looking through the um, the the market because uh, on our uh, Nintendo DS to see if she should pick up any new games or something like that. And they're all like full price. They're all like sixty and like fifty dollar games. And it's like I don't want to buy Pokemon like a two year old Pokemon game at like like new release price. Like, bring that shit down a little bit. Sounds like time. someone's not going to play Pokemon then. <laughs> no. If I guess not. Pokemon games only lower in price if a newer version of them has been released and you can't trade po- things Pokemon over from the old ones to the new ones. almost never go down, They really down, only though. go down in price secondhand. Yeah, yeah and even then, really usually don't. it goes up because... Yeah, because I, I remember getting... Uh, what was it? It was white and black too. They had like their second versions. Yeah, I remember getting that one ridiculously like under twenty, brand new because. But that's because that one bombed. Like that black <laughs> and white two were super unpopular comparatively. True. Yeah. Well, I for whatever it's worth, stuff. like by that point, I was so checked out of the Pokemon series. I was like, okay, they're remaking old ones, but only sometimes, and then they're making sequels to new ones, and I. Mm-hmm. I'm old. Yeah, we Never we mind. really liked uh, Sun and Moon. Wait, no, not Sun and Moon. Sorry, X what, and y? what am I? X and Y. We I really didn't liked... even really like X and Y. It was they. We, we played through it in one day. Well, we were like we were sick for a weekend, so we're like, screw it, let's just play Pokemon. Well, um, and our and our apartment mate had it. And I've we just all... found them getting easier and easier, and I think it's because I'm getting easy. better and better. <laughs> well, I remember as a kid, I had I. Okay, I, I played those games silver. like an idiot, and I blazed through them. Like I, 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 I never used anything in the entire game that wasn't an attack. If it wasn't yeah. an attack, I unlearned <laughs> oh, it immediately. Yeah. I'm like, what status effects? Psh! And I'd beat the whole game easily. Like they're 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 such kids' well, games, but they, but they have gotten true. worse because I've seen 
Let's Plays at the beginning of the new one a little bit, and the the Sun and Moon ones are like five hours of patronizing tutorials, and it's oh yeah, so oh, yeah. Sun and Moon is also sluggish. Yeah, they really need like a a not a slider, but like a selector that's like. I know what uh, I'm doing. I please am, don't. Please don't I am a do this. Twenty-some, nearly thirty-some-year-old veteran of yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I I would love it if they actually made a Pokemon game that was like reasonably difficult. That's why I liked World of Final Fantasy because it actually kicked my ass at times. It wasn't easy. You know what every franchise needs is a only teach me the new things button. Yes. Like yes. I selected hard mode in Sonic Forces, and it's like, press A to jump. I'm like, what are you telling me this for? Oh, yeah, and it would stop you, too. <laughs> it, would it would stop be you like, your press A to jump. You how to jump and how to attack. I'm like, I picked hard mode, dude. I think I know yeah. how to play this game. Um, but you can't skip yeah, them, because so there's going to be the one new mechanic that they use to justify making the whole new game. I, w- I was playing the most... I was playing Sun and Moon for Pokemon, and I just refused to use any other Pokemon other than my starting one, and turns out yeah, game doesn't even game doesn't even like handle it anymore. It's just like, yeah, you win. You're wildly <laughs> overleveled. Yeah, I think the problem with us playing some and we never even finished them was because uh X and Y was nice because it was the first time they had made it into a 3D game. So it was nice seeing like oh the character customization too. Um and other things. It was just like brand new and exciting. But uh, yeah, the tutorial at the very beginning is just like, I want to actually play the game. Also, why do we have the same, you're only living with your mother and... <laughs> There's never well, a father in the picture for some reason. Well, supposedly they said it was had something to do with like the creator's own family life and oh. like the lack of a father being present or I don't this know. This is a way darker version of the inspiration Miyamoto usually cites. <laughs> I like to go gardening, explore caves. My, I, I had a troubled family history. <laughs> <laughs> I made Legend of Zelda because I went through holes around my house. Oh, that was funny. I actually saw this uh, on Twitter or something, but supposedly Pokemon was the like final answer for the... You know how in Jeopardy, they have an open-ended question and yeah. everyone has to write down their answer and bet what they're going to do. So, um, oh... It's like Shinji. I forgot what his name was, but he's the actual the creator, creator of Pokemon. Pokemon. And they Shinji say, you know, Mikami? um, maybe, maybe that's it. It's literally uh, just the so, first Shinji that came to mind. I'm trying to check it right now. Okay, so oh, they say, Capcom. you know, okay, so they say uh, he was inspired to make this game because he loved collecting bugs and. The other people didn't know. The, like one guy had guessed centipede, and <laughs> I forget what the other lady had guessed. But I'm gonna get so much guy... shit for naming the guy that made Resident Evil. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say like there's a nerd out there who like got him. <laughs> there was like I'm sorry to that like nerd. A... I didn't mean to imply you were a nerd. I, I got a lot of but shit for mistaking. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of shit for mistaking the voice actor for. Uh, Nathan Drake in Uncharted, and then the voice actor for Joel, I believe, in uh, Last of Us. Oh, the, yeah. The, the two most you. overused voice actors ever. Yeah. I, 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 I also get confused. Yeah, shame on we you. Hear... Nathan Drake is actually the villain in that game. <laughs> I know, which <laughs> completely different voice like, actors. It's the same guys. I know Meanwhile, them. Meanwhile, the guy that plays Joel plays this kind of villain brother character in Uncharted 4. So how yep. do you mix them up? <laughs> 
These two characters that are in games with each other constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Infuriating. They they have way too much exposure. Like, good job on your job and everything, but oh my god. You can't escape them. Good job on your job and everything. Yeah, it's like, congrats on the life. Congrats on the life, but I'm sick of it. (laughs) Want to finish your story, Shell? Oh. Oh, so I was just saying the the guy that actually guessed the correct answer just had the biggest grin on his face. Everyone was just laughing because of the absurdity of it. Pokemon, come on! Oh, it was like, like so obvious. Yeah, I, I played Pokemon as a kid because I'd never encountered an RPG before, so it was completely novel in every conceivable way at that moment. But the moment I played oh, wow. a Bioware game and I was like, ooh, a party of characters with personalities and actual design and depth... Uh, and then everyone back. <laughs> the moment I had yeah. party-based RPGs with actual characters, I'm like, I'm never playing a Pokemon game again. Those aren't they're not, they're not characters. I want characters. I had the same problem with uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters, which had much deeper monster collection and like monster raising mechanics. So it's like after that, Pokemon just felt flat, and it has never stopped feeling flat to me. I never had any other games for my Game Boy or. Game Boy Quiet Color, times. and I never got a DS or any of the other DSs up until we got our 3DSs, so I just sort of, I mean, I was a fan of Pokemon when I was seven to maybe my early teens, and never it was understood a that very about parents. fond part of my childhood. Why are going to like, so much mm-hmm. money to get you the console and then buy you, like, two games for it? Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, mine was the free. console just ate, mine was, was like free with the Nintendo <laughs> sixty four the the Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer Edition. You got it free. Because parents <laughs> thinks parents think that your games will just last forever. Yeah, it's like a toy. I, I got you a toy train. Play with it for five million hours. We got <laughs> we got a GameCube with uh, Smash Brothers and Mario Party, and I had the gall to ask my parents for uh, Fantasy Star Online, and my mother's like. Uh, you, you already have, have Smash video games. Bros. You're done forever. <laughs> yeah, go play the ones that you already have. And I'm like, I can't. My brother <laughs> is way too fucking good at Smash Bros. I can't play anymore because he just shows up and either creams me or creams the bot. I'm just kind of there. Uh, and obviously Mario Party is the family thing. She's like, well, maybe we should play Mario Party tonight. And I'm like, I just want to play by myself. <laughs> we had a lot of Nintendo 64 games, but half of them were inherited from my cousin. Uh, but aside from that, really, the only games that we bought consecutively, like as a series, were uh, the missed ones as they came out. And yeah, that was pretty much it. We didn't, thinking back, we didn't really have that many video games at home. And we completely skipped the GameCube and went to the Wii. Growing up, the best way to get a video game was for another parent to say that it was a great way to shut up their kids. <laughs> and then, like, go down the grapevine of parent word of mouth. Essentially, I, I was in the bad position of being the only kid on the block with a GameCube. Oh, <laughs> the good news. The good news about the parents' total like lack of attentiveness, because like the the downside was, of course, they're like, oh, just play what you already have is what they'd always say. But the good side was that they wouldn't pay any attention to ratings on games either. Oh, my parents so cared I about just, ratings. I, so I had Dead or Alive. I had Perfect Dark. I was, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm, like, I'm <laughs> 10 years old playing a game for 17-year-olds. I don't give a shit. Although we Perfect didn't have Dark any really doesn't M have games. anything extreme in it. I don't know why it's rated M. However, Guns. half of my dad's films That's from the 80s were rated R. 
considering yeah, they were Alien and Terminator, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grew up with a lot of those. It took us renting Battle Tanks 2 four times before my mother finally caved and bought it, because she realized <laughs> that we had already spent more money renting it from Blockbuster than it would have been, to, would have been to just buy it used from Blockbuster. I don't recall ever renting video games. My Blockbuster had a lot of video games. Uh, for the N64, I don't think they had much for PlayStation, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I remember renting a lot of video games, and yeah. For ki- bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For kids I, I, with short attention spans, though, like, renting's pretty great because so many... When kids get video games, oftentimes they're done with them really quickly. Like, like, like they're, ready, they're ready to move on to anything else if the option arises. Like, if you're... If you're stuck playing one game forever, then you get really attached to that and everything, and that's, like, your reality. But if you have the option of switching every week, everyone will take that as a kid. It was a good way to try games. Now that I think about it, we actually were able to get things from our library, like Marvel Ultimate Alliance Oh, that didn't happen until later uh, for me. Like, the games didn't show up in the library until uh, until I hit I, high school. The games that showed up in my library were, like, shitty games. It was, like, yeah. Madden from three years ago, or <laughs> Madden from two years ago, or NFL football from two years Why ago. Why are there so many of those games? Because people Every will year? buy them. It's like Ever? Call of Duty. Wow. People will buy the latest... Yeah, people roster do updates. the... Uh, yeah, roster updates, but also people will buy full price the latest version Uh, regardless when easily they could just do dlc and just have like a four-year cycle on the game it's also that sports games appeal to a specific part of the demographic that might only buy that game like they buy that they buy like the like they'll buy like they'll buy like fifa and madden every year and nothing else and that's just the games they play so like they don't even they don't even know about the concept in many cases of like dlc or the premise that they're getting ripped off really there's like eh, that's the one thing i play all year doesn't cost that much yeah. It's actually funny you I mentioned just... Battle Tanks because that was the one game my dad knew how to play in all of video games ever. And so we got a lot of mileage out of that. But I played it terribly. I would play as the oh, mechanical yeah. people and hide in my base and just build gun buddies and then run. <laughs> That's my what I would do. The gun yeah. buddy like spam was my favorite, even though it was I, stupid. I would, I would spawn as the little go-kart over and over again, spawn a gun buddy, then charge into my enemy's base and get run over by their tank to just intentionally make <laughs> them slower say, on the track over the, and over again. Is that the strategy that's basically maximum passive? It's like my first ever tower no defense game micro. is what it became. Yeah, yeah, that was my thing. I had never heard of a tower defense game before, and so Battle didn't Tanks... didn't exist yet. Little... Yeah. <laughs> Not to like, StarCraft? Yeah. Yeah. So when I found out about tower defense, this is StarCraft. I was hooked. <laughs> I suppose when it came to, like, things like... We played a lot of RTSs on the PC, aside from uh, the couple RPGs, like, Bioware, KOTOR-related stuff, and puzzle games like Mist and Nancy Drew, and... Detective Barbie and all those things. Oh, um, yeah. It, we played Alpha Centauri and Dune 2000. I really liked Dune 2000. Though you played a different Dune, didn't Emperor you? Battle Dune 2000 Dune. was really good. That was like the first yeah, RPS. Yeah, I, I was... hated it when my when my spice collectors got ambushed by worms. I mean, that was a g- game was mechanic. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had to constantly that lead was, them onto solid ground. That was Westwood, right? Like that was one of their few uh, non-redler kind of one, right? Because I know Westwood Emperor Battle for Dune was yeah. Westwood's in the EA graveyard. Dune two thousand is Westwood, <laughs> but I think wasn't there an earlier one that wasn't? 
Uh, I thought Emperor Battle for Dune was the. Uh, You're right. They're both actually... the. They're both the Westwood games. Yeah. Huh. I I also liked the live action in that. Yeah. Well, every they're red the alert. Gimli guy. Every every red alert game had uh had live voice acting, and it was always awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Even by voice acting, it was straight up live action cutscenes with like yeah cutscenes. <laughs> Compared to like the voice acting and the like character modeling and like games at that time, they were amazing. One thing I always wondered was House Ordo in the original Dune series, no. like the novels, or was it just made? For I the think game? maybe they it got mentioned. The maybe game, they I existed, think. but was Tim they were... Curry in Red Alert? Uh, yes, he was. I feel like he was. <laughs> Tim Curry was, was the, was uh, the um, leader of the it? Russians in Red Alert Three. The Russians, yeah, yep. And it was it was great because it was like <laughs> oh, full yeah, ham. Tim Curry, <laughs> yeah, there he is. That gives you, that gives you a really good example and barometer of what they were going for with the acting in the Red Alert games. Uh, is oh, that they hired right, Tim Red Alert Three in particular, I remember was very tongue in cheek because the uh, the the Empire of the Rising Sun, like that person. The, the person that represented them was played by George Takei. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, that that was actually the day... That was the first EA Red Alert game, I believe. Uh, I don't really remember. Yes, it was. And uh, it was also it the was last. It was pretty good. It was, gameplay-wise, it was good. Story-wise, it was garbage. I hated it so much. They yeah, like they didn't have a lot of good material to work with. <laughs> I just remember the ending of oh. one of the endings was the every J. single Simmons. female. It, er, yeah, the president <laughs> was J.K. Simmons. Like it was, it would have been amazing, but it felt fan servicey to a fault. Like uh, I specifically got, I think it was the Allied ending. You get every single female, uh, like character in the game. In skimpier outfits than usual. What? Greeting Ow. you at the end, being like, "Thank you, Commander," and they're like in your room, and they have like bottles and stuff. And I'm like, "What the uh, fuck?" I just, uh, I just want to be like, "I'm sorry." Are you suggesting there might be something fan servicey about a game that's about George Takei versus J.K. Simmons versus Tim Curry? <laughs> the weird part is that almost none of them ever actually interacted. Like, usually the times where like they would have been together, they were like separate. And also, J.K. Simmons was a robot. <laughs> oh yeah that the Japanese like had misuse. replaced the US president and so he was like kind of acting as a double agent mecha president to, yeah it was great I... you actually had to like hunt him down and kill him he because he was about to unleash he was a, about to unleash uh, Mount Rush, robot Mount Rushmore on the rest of the US what and you had to like take him down yeah it was Fucking nuts! That's it was up great. there with the so ending weird. of Metal Gear Solid Two, where you get in a samurai sword fight with the president wearing an, an eye patch and octopus suit. <laughs> hey, for whatever <laughs> it's worth, Metal Gear Solid Two, I was definite. I, I appreciate that game so much more now. As a kid, it was like playing a fever dream. The worst thing about that description is that by the time you get to the final boss, that's not. It's not even weird anymore. It's not weird. <laughs> so, much so much weirder weird shit, shit has happened, happened up till then that that part's not even weird. <laughs> But when you say it in its own, you're like, no, you fight, you fight, you get a sword fight with the president with who is where has an eye patch and uh, like a dark ox suit on, on like a rooftop. Mm. What the I fuck? was kind of desensitized because I actually watched the Metal Gear Solid games in reverse. Uh, uh, Revengeance four, three, two, and I've never seen one. Um, Revengeance is a weird place to start. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't. I think I had like looked up Revengeance to see like what the hell the game was because like I'd heard about it. I'd made jokes about it, but I I personally had never. Um, That's the one that features that it. writing character. Yeah, exactly. Right? What was that? Does it feature the writing? Yeah, character? it features writing, and it was, was just weird. Game. Yeah, it was platinum. Uh, so I watched the let's play, and I'm like. Huh, this is actually kind of neat. I thought, like, I really thought it was, like, a much more Arma-style, like, legit military sim. I was very, very wrong. Um, uh, I still wonder whatever, like... And then never you watched did... 4 first, which is the ending of the entire story. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I had seen Revengeance, and then I went to college. Uh, was, that, was that it? No, I was at college, and I borrowed somebody's copy, and I played the first mission. I'm like... Oh yeah, this really is like Revengeance because I just figured Revengeance was kind of like an outlier because everybody called it that, and it was, and it was also kind of this unique, weird thing. And I was just like, I okay, now I have to go back and see all of them. And three was my favorite by far. That's a bizarre way to go through the series. Yeah, it was um, interesting. Although at this point, <laughs> I mean, I gotta admit that I've I've played five, which is. The entire premise of five is to try to explain the story of Metal Gear One <laughs> and reconcile it with Metal Gear Solid Three. And I didn't like I never played Metal Gear One, so this is meaningless to me, but okay. Uh, I mean there are some people that it meant something to. Probably yeah. a couple dozen that played the first Metal Gear. <laughs> that specific brand of people that played though. every single game oh, in the franchise. God. Oh yeah. yeah, what was the, the controls what? of the first game are just awful. What was the one game that you were telling me about the other day where there were just no copies available anywhere? Like, they actually took it off Steam and stuff. Was that something from the last podcast or Divinity? I did have a couple of games. I don't remember which one you were talking about, though. Alan Uh, Wake. Wake? Yeah. yeah. Alan Wake is, like, kind of was everywhere, but the the soundtrack got copyrighted, so it's... I don't... I don't know if you can buy the first one, which was, I you think, can't the better buy one. It, just, no. just gone now. They had a big announcement. like, it's 99% off. Everyone grab it now. It's going to be gone forever because we're not going to bother re- renewing this license. Is basically yeah. what happened. <laughs> well, it's because Remedy Entertainment shut down. Whoa, wait. Why would they have a license oh, that was no, under no, 20 years or something? Uh, I thought they had shut down. Game. No, they literally, literally just aren't. Title, re- so. They're just not renewing the license. That's all that's happening. Yep. Yep. But so they're just so like, eh, you, it's going to die forever now. It'll only exist yep. as a physical copies on Xbox 360, basically. Yep. And if you have it in your Steam library, obviously you get to yeah. keep it. But the, Me- like meanwhile, 10, Humble Bundle is throwing now. Quantum Break at us in the monthly bundle right now. I'm I kind of like that. I heard about that game, but since it was like a Windows Store slash Xbox exclusive, I was just like, it's well, not, I'm not bad. This. It's kind of like Portal. But also uh, narrated by Q. It's not <laughs> like Portal. It's exactly like Portal. It's it's part of that trend of hyper cinematic third person shooters that are all the same. Oh, um, uh, this is a completely different game than the one I yeah, was. Yeah, you're thinking about. of a different game. Quantum Break has the guy that played Iceman in X Men and Jake and Animorphs, and he's like, in oh yeah, he can break reality kind of and time travel a little bit, and it's it, it ah. was the one that had that really weird gimmick where. Uh, every few hours in the game, you would stop playing and then watch like an episode of a of a like a sci fi original series, basically, mm-hmm. and then make a decision at the end. So it was a hybrid television show video game, which is why I never let's played it. I'm like, it's a part of it's a movie, basically. I can't upload that. Wait a uh, minute did 
did any I remember Halo was going to do something similar. They were going to have like little DLCs with essentially an episode's worth of uh cutscenes I mean, and there, content. There there have been a bunch of Halo uh standalone movies and animated shorts and books and stuff like that. I think the I think the movie shorts or whatever are on Netflix or YouTube right, or yeah, something. Yeah, I've seen all of those, but I think they actually said that they're going to have little sort of like a mini version of their game series. I suppose they never went through with it then. You're supposed to buy them as maybe five to ten dollar DLCs and have like an ongoing story that spans across them. And but nah, I suppose they didn't. Bungie's been focusing on Destiny instead, probably. What else are they well, up they, to? Well, well, it's ex- they're exclusively Destiny now. Yeah, uh, Bungie stopped with the Halo series after Halo Reach, which was yeah. the last one we played. Yeah, the oh, moment Destiny became 4, a thing, right? they've and been five. only making five. they've been only making Destiny. That yep. yep. So what what's going on with Halo is something that goes on with Gears of War and a bunch of other franchises is that Microsoft will not let anything die ever. So if they have a property, <laughs> what they do is they slowly wring the life out of the company that makes that property until they do the same thing across the board, which is they always make one, two, three. Then they make a fourth game that doesn't have a number, but instead has a subtitle. And then that company leaves. And then the company comes back for game name four, but it's made by a different company and everyone hates it. It's happened like four times. <laughs> the exact mm. pattern. The game I was thinking of is called uh, Quantum Conundrum. Yeah, that yeah. that game is like Portal and narrated by Q. Yeah, so <laughs> I kind of read up a lot about this a little bit because I thought it was interesting now. Uh, so that was a game that was developed or directed by uh, Kim Swift, who was one of the people that made uh, Narbacular Drop, which uh, Valve bought, basically, and bought the people that made that, and then they went on mm. to make Portal. So she was like the lead designer of portal and then she made this game uh and then after that she got hired to work at a amazon uh video game studios then after that i think you're gonna find this funny she was hired to work uh as the the design director uh for motive studios under ea so she was for Battlefront 2. She released Star Wars Battlefront 2. <laughs> the AAA Ooh. just ruins everything, apparently. <laughs> yeah. There Is are... that are you interesting and made the one of the most uh, impactful and inspirational puzzle games in the last, like, 20 years? Let's ruin that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's the AAA publisher that owns the developer. Yeah. Because, yeah. like... That's what happened to Metal Gear Solid. You know, they eventually oust Kojima. Now they're making, what, Metal Gear Survive? Which, let's be honest, we might actually cover. Uh, just because zombie survival is my jam, even if it's always garbage. Um, but, uh, you know, EA, Activision, uh, arguably Blizzard? I don't know. Oh, yeah, because now it's on the Blizzard app. Like I'm, I'm not against thing. Blizzard necessarily, but I would really like a Warcraft Four, but it's never going to happen. Ah, because they they announced Battle for Azeroth, where they're going to push off the 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 factions from well, their continents and making all of Kalimdor Horde and they've all run of out of boogeymen to kill Eastern Kingdoms, the so Alliance. Just bring them back. <laughs> they're going to burn down Teldrassil. Well, you're right. No. That's what they did with Legion. They they brought back the Burning Legion and then killed it's them. It's disgusting for good, that quote, at this point. 
like 90% of all Warcraft content ever is World of Warcraft, and yet almost all yeah. of it yeah. is trying to feed off of the, what was in the first three games, even though the majority of people playing that game never played those. Yeah. You could just like, make shit up. You could just make new stuff like writers was, do when they make a universe. I was so confused when Medivh showed up. You know, the, the meddling crow in, uh, in we, we Warcraft We gotta fight 3. Illidan twice. Don't you get it? <laughs> yeah, I was... We gotta bring him yeah. back and make him the boss of another expansion. <laughs> I find it very well, interesting that... Actually, like, he's like the hero at the end of this one. Oh, it's Legion. Just a, it's just the, infuriating, though. Like, the, <laughs> like, the I, core I lore. Illidan, that's when I quit. <laughs> Like, the core lore of Warcraft, like, hasn't changed since, like, Warcraft 3, basically. Yep, pretty much. Like, they add a whole bunch of, uh, like, World of Warcraft, like, adds on so much, but it's always built around the same structure that basically came out of Warcraft 3, which was built off of Warcraft 2, which was built off of Warcraft 1. And and doesn't... I doesn't, don't know. doesn't WoW like massively just demystify everything too? Because it's like, oh, what yeah. happened to that character in the end? He got killed by some schmucks in a party. Like forty yeah, dudes yeah. just stomped down his door and kicked his ass. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that, oh, what happened the, to? That's the to... ending of like five hundred different character stories now. As they mm-hmm. got stomped by some dudes. Who? What uh. happened to a, like <laughs> Deathwing? Oh, you kill him. Okay. What happened to Alaria? Uh, she's over there. She gives quests now. What happened to Torellian? He's over there. Actually, he gets quests actually, now. Alaria it's like, it's is like the ending of every character is the Battle of Five Armies. Now, leader for the Void Elves, which are a new race coming out. Why? Why are they? She, she absorbed sets? Void God energy, damn. and now she's a Void Void Elf. A Void Elf. So Drow. Um. Actually, they look sort of pale and vampiric, with a lot of like glowy, purpley, blue wisps in there. What kind of elf stuff? has Alaria not been at this point? It's a high elf. What is, then is she, she like became Ichigo? like a trainer elf, and now she's a void elf. <laughs> so she's Ichigo, where she just gets part. She becomes yeah. part of everything over the course of the story until the story just breaks, and never one stops reading. And I, Sylvanas is God the new war chief, the and I don't really know what's awful. up with Verisa. Listen, I got a new character for you, war, uh, Blizzard. His name's Chuck. He likes his kids. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to work on his oh. motorcycle. I don't know. Just, just we could add live and make. <laughs> There's motorcycles in WoW now. Yeah, my character mm-hmm. had a motorcycle when I made a Torin. I could run around with the motorcycle. So oh yeah, once they added now. once they added the gnomes that were able to like invent shit. I feel like that really went off the rails. No, the, but the real reason the motorcycles are in the game is because they had a cross brand deal with the motorcycle reality show, and then they had to put them in the game. And now that's part yeah, of the more like, chopper. Like, they, had a, they had a crossover oh. thing. As a yeah. Rocky choppers. No way. Yeah, really? Well, didn't they also make the goblins tinkery too? Yeah, yeah, to compete with the gnomes. I mean, yep. it's kind of a neat universe thing unless you do some like interesting stuff. It just also uh I don't Star know. Wars did where it just became exhausting. <laughs> the universe just became exhausting and overcrowded with stuff that just isn't interesting. And it's just yeah. it's too much of a product now. It's just uh Oh well, <laughs> isn't Chris Metzen uh, retired too? Uh, he may I have don't recently. know. Uh, Could not see. Tell you. Yeah, he retired in 2016. Um, so for people who don't know who Chris is, he's the he's basically the guy that made all of the lore for Warcraft and like did all of the universe building for them, for better or worse. Um. I mean, I always found his stuff to be like not very inspired, but I mean, he made it work. And oh, it was inspired, right? It was inspired by Warhammer. 
Yeah. Well, regardless, it borrowed like, from everything. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. But the point is, like, he he's he left Blizzard, and I wonder what if the company's gonna be like is like gonna be torn down by that or not. I but, think I mean, they it doesn't matter because they, they have moved, had too they much had, of it. They haven't had any time really to like make anything since he left. To Overwatch like, has taken over. That. Yeah. Well, yeah. between Overwatch and Hearthstone, they don't need story anymore. They just True. they just need like pure gameplay kind of uh distilled oh, for everybody cool. to consume. Which is, which is probably for the best if all the writers are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who made the uh I wonder who is considered like the lore god of the Overwatch world? <laughs> I, mean, like, I, don't I don't know. Warcraft was really like Chris Metzen's baby. Starcraft too, and uh, I don't see him being tied like nearly as tightly to Overwatch. Warcraft no. just kind of suffers from the Assassin's Creed effect, where like it becomes just a fact that the next product's going to come out at this time in this way, and that's going to happen no matter what. So just try to slap a story onto it, but it's not happening because of the story, even though the universe mm-hmm. is defined by having a story basically so for those that don't know what happened in assassin's creed like the first two games had a like the first one sets up the world and has a cool cool animus stuff going on the second one has this really climactic like earth shattering revelation of an ending and then they follow up on that by having the next game uh not follow up on it even a little bit and be like it literally opens with a character named mario uh losing the thing you spent the whole last game getting so you have to go get it again so it's like the, it's like mm-hmm. the, a Mario character is saying to you, like your princess is another castle, essentially. So you play an entire <laughs> game just reaccomplishing what you accomplished last game, it's just so that the next game can then just put you in a coma, so they don't have to make any more story. It seems so like the- they just want to go to every continent, every like great civilization, and every time period, and create a new Assassin's Creed game based on those. Because now it's Egypt. That's the that's the issue is like it started off with like a narrative and an arc and revelations planned, but Ubisoft was like, can you make it every year now? And so it became an annual franchise where a, a whole new open world game had to be made every single year, which meant that that was the priority was like, what's this new game's gimmick? It's in the United States. This one's in Egypt. And that was the only and we're shipping an Egypt game on this day. And that was the whole bullet point. And then you just have to Didn't make have it. A- you have to reverse engineer it for that purpose. Didn't they have a Chinese or Japanese one, but it never came out? There was a Japan, or... Russia, and China one that were all, ha- they were all uh, side-scrolling, Mobile. cartoony ones. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. I see. Yeah. I had to laugh at that one because they were like, we're taking, a, 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 we're taking a year off of Assassin's Creed, and then three Assassin's Creed games came out that year. One but they question, were those though. Ones. This guy's genealogy must be like really mixed oh no if it's he has characters. like ancestors oh it's different characters yeah because i thought that he was only <laughs> able to see into person. his I mean, into still, his own ancestors he's still a little like, mi- mixed because Ezio and altair and connor were all his ancestors but Assassin, after assassin's creed 3 the uh desmond's no longer the character and they just give up half the time like they they have so little story to tell sometimes that when you get to unity you just press start on the game and it boots the animus software on the screen and then you just play as the Kai from the past and it never explains who's in the animus at any point in the game. There's just no meta story because they've just given up at that point. It's it's mm-hmm. just a weird nightmare. I've been playing an interesting game lately. 
Uh, that's hmm. also a weird nightmare. Uh, it's in the it's it goes in that that charming elex category of just like these these middle grade RPGs that are like memorable and interesting enough to justify playing them, but there's so many weird rough edges. But you kind of prefer that over playing something that has fewer rough edges but is so boring. I've been playing like a game Andromeda? called Lost Dimension. <laughs> Which have you okay. guys heard of the game Resistance, the uh, tabletop I, game? Yeah. Well, I okay. think you brought up Lost Dimension a couple podcasts ago. I don't. Th- I don't think I did, or if I did, I hadn't it? played it yet. I might yeah, have just, you hadn't like, played it yet. You were talking about how you were like out to find the traitor, but you hadn't like. Because now, gotten I've, now I've actually it. played the game, so I can talk about what it's actually like, which is. A lot of things I thought it would be, and a lot of things I wouldn't be, kind of. But uh, the core gameplay is somewhat comparable to like Valkyria Chronicles and this weird mishmash of like these turn-based Japanese RPGs where you oddly do the turn in real time. You know what I mean? Oh, like mm-hmm. it's not like XCOM where you're like a glorified menu and clicking on a place and he runs to it. Like you, you, it's turn-based, but during your character's turn, you manually control them to make them run around and hit things, and then they stop when they run out of actions. Actually, it's like Grand Kingdom, because you played that, didn't you, Wander? A little, yeah. That kind of weird feel of like trying to move the exact amount of spaces before you run out and your turn automatically ends or something, which was super awkward in that game. And this one, you can thankfully do the manual movement multiple times and keep hitting, keep hitting B to like cancel it and start and try again. Yeah. Because it's so awkward to control a J- uh, JRPG character in real time to stop in, in the exact same position you want them to be and face the right direction and all that stuff is a mess. But, uh... It's so it's got this combat for that where you're just fighting ro- you're just fighting robots and whatnot and uh, trying to win these turn-based combats. But what's interesting is that every the game's divided into five floors as you're climbing this tower, and every tower, every tower floor seemingly a new traitor gets revealed. I I I think the the reasoning is supposed to be that they all have everyone has locked memories and essentially the, uh, every floor a tra- someone who already was a traitor like essentially remembers they're a traitor like in the Resident Evil movie basically and that's happening five times conveniently. Uh, what happens is that your character every every character has some kind of different psychic power basically. You have a pyrokinetic, you have a telekinetic, you have a teleporting guy. Your character is actually like Professor X, so you can like sort of kind of read minds in this sort of vague slightly unhelpful way because it's just broken it's just broken enough to make the game work because <laughs> otherwise you would just instantly know the traitors every time mm-hmm. uh what happens is you will pick your party the way you do in XCOM and stuff like that out of this larger pool of characters so you have like 10 characters and you'll pick like five for a particular uh mission and when you finish mm-hmm. the mission you hear a certain number of voices <laughs> indicating how many suspicious people are in the party and so oh. that so it adds this weird meta system where you're trying to narrow down who the traitor is by bringing different configurations of people and you'll hear different numbers of, sus- of suspicious voices with each party configuration and then you can check your list you can check your history of like how many voices you got with each party and try to deduce from there who the th- who uh the three sources of suspicious, suspicious voices are because there's always uh. three and so it's much Process like resist- it's much like the resistance tabletop game where you're picking different configurations of teammates uh, and then trying to figure out who's sitting around the table as the traders. And mm-hmm. uh, the additional layer is that you can then every time you do a main mission, you get one vision point. And so you get three vision points total per floor. And so you when you, if you can narrow it down to who the three sources of suspicious voices are, you can then use the vision points to go into their brains to figure out for sure if they are the traitor or not. 
they give you just enough to they give you just enough per floor to, to go after the three people if you can narrow it down to them. Mm-hmm. But then there's an additional layer of weird because the game has a reputation system of how, what everyone thinks of everybody else in the party. And some people in the party, what what happens is when it's time to figure out who the traitor is and, and choose them, everyone sits around in a circle and votes on them, kind of like in like Danganronpa and stuff like that. So you have to, you have to on top of figuring out who the traitor is, manage everyone else's opinions of who the traitor is. Because once you narrow down who the traitor is, you have to convince everybody else to vote for that person. And half the party, like like half the characters will vote for, they'll just vote it for whoever's least useful. So if you if you don't take people on missions and they have a low battle ranking overall because you keep not using them on missions, people want to vote for those people because they're not useful for the party. And then the other half of the people will vote for people based on their reputation, which is that everyone has a different link, like a different level of friendliness with every individual other character in the party, which you can view on a menu, and they'll vote mm-hmm. for who they like the least, basically. And so you have to manage the reputations and battle rankings of characters to try to get the votes to lean towards whoever is the actual uh, traitor. Otherwise, you'll get, kill off an innocent character and still have a traitor in your party when additional traitor is revealed next floor also. Yeah, because I suppose, especially if you have to deduce which ones are traitors by taking them with you on missions, doesn't that mean that the ones that are completely innocent are more likely to be underleveled? So you're so you're the the good news is the party max is like half your overall roster and okay. your goal is to rotate to completely like you'll do six missions per floor and you want to have a completely different configuration every time to get as much information as possible so you can deduce who the traders are so mm. you should be rotating everyone in and out over the course of the floor more or less is more or less we want to go for there uh the problem I have with this game is that it's a JRPG, and that's in a very specific way, which is that uh, you know how Japanese RPGs never shut up? This game never shuts up. It <laughs> talks wow. so much. But here's the problem. Like, it's not like your average JRPG where it just has so much story to tell. This game has, like, no story to tell. It feels like there's a corporate mandate for how much dialogue the game has to have or something. So they just repeat themselves a lot or they just like rephrase the same conversations and stuff like that. And do the characters converse with one another and that's how they get their positive or negative like ratings with one another? Like, There's if no one explicit another, reputation change no? from dialogue between between characters necessarily, but they do talk with each other sometimes, but it's really rare. What, what's most, what's more likely change? is that What's more likely is they talk at each other. Which yeah. is that a conversation will happen where every you know, you know the the anime reaction shot where every single character in the room reacts to a thing one by one, mm. which always happens when you have a large party. <laughs> so you'll start a mission and, and like every yeah. person will say their pre-canned thing that sounds kind of like part of a conversation, but not really, and they're totally interchangeable, and they could you could skip half of them and it wouldn't affect the outcome essentially. That's how I most of the, peanuts. of the party dialogue and then everyone works. Goes, <gasps> Like, we don't like that person. That's how like, it works in Xenoblade. Like, there's somebody who will just constantly be all like, uh, "It's like uh, I don't like the, I don't like going into battle thinking that somebody might stab me in the back." And they'll say that like seven times in a row, but like different versions of it every fight, basically. Like they'll yeah. say a new version of it because it it's always new dialogue. They're not actually looping, but they have nothing new to say. But they, for some reason, feel the need to include dialogue. Like I had to just stop and rant at the screen during my last video I made where I'm just like, this game would be better served if it was like this war of mine where the characters are like a vague character archetype or something, but they don't like talk really. 
they just like you could have a few conversations that just set up what type of each character what type of character each character is but like the game has nothing to say but feels like because of its because of its genre it seems to think it has to talk constantly whereas like it could easily be like this war of mine or games like that where like it's just a character on the screen with a portrait and a name and a personality likes and dislikes and you just play video game mechanically from there on out because what the because the worst part is that despite how talkative the game is the level of talk all the dialogue that you have with the characters doesn't help you deduce who the traitor is it's purely that weird like system where where you get pings essentially and tallies and you try to figure that out that way so it's not a mystery this isn't like 999 or something where like information is going to come out that might come up later then reveal who the traitor is because the traitors are randomly selected every time you play the game Mm-hmm. so it's like so, it's a it's they're so disposable and interchangeable that it feels like the game's just wasting your time you also so, get to manually level up nine different characters and and manually equip their equipment every floor so that's fun uh, so every single into, one has a unique skill tree i ran into that with xenoblade and it was like super controversial at, at the time for like the people watching because i actually turned off game voices except for cutscenes because Every battle would start with everybody shouting. They're like, you know, I'm ready for this. But like, they'd all shout at the same time. And then they'd shout like, yeah, they're yeah, those. But huh? also like whenever, whenever they attack, whenever they use a special attack, sometimes they'd be, they get damaged. Oh, that's yeah. Terrible. Sometimes they'd actually be doing three lines at once. And it, it truly was just <laughs> what? torture. The same cacophony. character saying three. Yeah, lines. it was an awful cac- cacophony. And I was like, I can't, like, I turned it down, but, like, I could barely even hear the music because it was just this awful noise. So eventually I'm just like, screw it. They're not even saying anything interesting. Like, one character said something interesting once, and then she said it five times again in the next 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I give it up. I give up. Uh, and so I just shut it off, and, like, some people got really mad about that. I'm like, can you even hear it? Are you really? <laughs> um. Stockholm and syndrome. Now, they're just conditioned to it now, and they can't escape well, it. And if you turn yeah, it off, that was it's part like of it. they'll forget that they're. You, they might forget it's anime for five seconds, and then forget they're supposed to like it. They got to constantly get drilled back in their head. I think some people had even wanted you to change the audio to Japanese. Oh but... yeah, well that's because of the the voice acting. But we already talked about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's also always true of anything that has dual audio. Somebody or multiple somebodies will always want the Japanese. But uh thing is, the subtitles for this game are partial. You can turn them on, but they're not actually going to cover the whole game. Um, I've had old cutscenes that don't have subtitles, and I'm like, if I turned on Japanese voice acting, you would know what I saying. actually would have no idea what's going on anymore. Yep. Yeah, it was like when we were watching Avengers in Croatia, because it came out there. And for the whole scene where Black Widow is speaking with Russians... We didn't understand what they were saying because they were the subtitles were in Croatian rather yep. than English. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb, but also well, well. Fortunately, we could we could get the gist of what was happening. Was the whole really scene nice we didn't we didn't need to know. That was actually one of the nicest theaters I've ever been in. <laughs> uh, let's see. Did you have another game you wanted to talk about, Keith? Sorry, I was I was reading over an old comment of when somebody was telling me to switch to subs versus dubs. Uh, it, it's it's a it's almost become like a mini meme in my channel is referring back to this one conversation that happened a while ago. Every time this uh, I play a new Japanese game that has Japanese voice acting as an option, mm-hmm. is that I tried to explain to somebody that videos do better. 
the videos generally do better when the game's in English. Because, like, the people that do the subs versus dubs purist argument are, like, more of a minority than they like to think they are. And the response is like, would be natural since there are more kids on YouTube. Yes, all the kids want to watch dubs and some teens to adults with low standards want to watch, uh, uh, want to watch <laughs> poorly executed dubs as well. So yeah, shouldn't be a surprise that dubs are generally better received. My request was for my own sake since I don't care about those other idiots. Also, it would make your videos cleaner to the eyes of many. Also, if you are an adult teen... An adult to teen that thinks a dub with the standard is better than good quality Japanese voice acting, then you are a fucking <laughs> idiot in my eyes. And I just responded, so switch to subs if you want to grow an audience of condescending elitists. Got it. Yep, I remember Damn. that. Quite so, frankly, I think that the is only a reason... funny comment, dude. <laughs> well, it's a so, very uh... jaded attitude, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so the response that, is just as bad. Oh, that's man. hilarious. But one thing I've always thought was maybe some of the Japanese dubs that we've been watching, maybe the Japanese think that their actors are terrible, but we wouldn't know because yeah. we don't speak the language. Well, that's that was the, the thing, thing for was, me, yeah. Yeah, uh, for Xenoblade, people are complaining that the lead female character's voice is high-pitched and annoying. And I'm just like, well... <laughs> <laughs> don't have don't have to deal with that. Her voice actor is like actually really good in uh, English. Yeah, people uh, always talk about Japanese voice acting, but the problem is that like Japanese is completely incompatible with English on like sentence structure and grammar and almost everything about it, basically. So as an English viewer that is not like has not conditioned myself through huge amounts of <laughs> Japanese voice acting exposure, I literally don't I can't read the emotion half the time. Like obviously, I can read the emotion of the sentence overall. But like when you listen to an when you when you have like an English when you have a voice acting performance that's in your language, individual words can have meaning with the way they're said, and that's mm -hmm. completely lost if you're watching somebody else's language. So yes, the localized version might not do it correctly, so they might screw that up. But it's still like anything they do, like any amount of voice direction that's saying like, oh yeah, sell this this way and stuff like that, only works if you're reading in your language because otherwise you're like, I don't I don't know, they're shouting. They're sh <laughs> She sounds kind of sad is the best I can get sometimes from like the Japanese voice acting. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand the language, so I can't. It, it's less emotionally affecting for me because I can't tell what they're going for half the time. There's no, you can't, you can't get any subtlety out of it. So uh, on topic of people with unreasonable demands, I see you've already found the commenter on my seven video. Chastising <laughs> you from receiving free games. Yes, I was actually going to bring that up and then I noticed you would responded immediately after me. So, Bird, seeing as you're the only one that doesn't know, plus, you know, obviously people watching this. I mean, that guy's uh, just meant... so far up his, his own ass because he's in that mode of, like, I have to be right now. So I'm just going to yeah. make the most stupid possible responses that, because like, he, he cares more about being right than making any sort of point or being correct yeah. even. Uh, so let's let's back up. I'm just going to give the <laughs> summation of... I said I got a free copy of Seven because I thought it looked neat and I requested a copy and the developers sent it over. And he's like, why Why are you getting free games? Like, more or less, the, you're robbing indie develop poor indie developers of, like, the hard-earned money uh, just so that you can play a game on your channel. I'm like, they, they sent it to me. Like, you're robbing <laughs> people of things that they willingly give. Yeah, and I'm like, you make it sound like I'm this asshole that's stealing from them. But I said, hey, could I have the game? And they're like, yeah, sure thing. Uh, have fun, and I'm like, "Yep, having fun." Uh, and that was it. This guy, not a developer. <laughs> no, yeah, and this guy, this guy is like, uh, shoot, I don't even, 
I don't know. Other people are like tearing him to shreds and he's just like, you're not part of this argument, so go away. And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and um, every every response he makes is more about the phrasing of the person that responded to them as opposed to what they're actually saying because he he's so in a corner and can't actually defend his points anymore. But So you made the the normal argument, which is that you play dozens of games every month and it quickly becomes unsustainable to purchase all of them for full price in order to cover them. Uh, which so like the channel wouldn't work at that point, uh, which is not even new because that's how like game reviewers worked like across history. All those all those re- game reviewers that write for magazines and crap and websites like they make like no money. So like those sixty dollar games they're reviewing like two or three of per week have to just arrive for free half the time or it's like untenable to do even going past the whole like the whole part where you have to cover it in you know in advance so that you can actually have the video ready or the review ready on launch day or before and stuff like that but also like if like he's he he claims that like it's unproven that let's plays have an impact on like sales but like if that was true then why is everybody so obsessed with sending let's players copies of their games it's almost as if they have years and years of evidence that this works for them otherwise they would just stop i think the point is nobody has ever like sat down and measured it because you kind of can't measure can't. how yeah because you can't like there's you, no you can't control. measure it unless you have a game that has zero audience period and then pewdiepie plays it and then you can measure the exact Actually, boost <laughs> the only way that could that you could measure it would be like releasing something like Pokemon Gold and Silver and only handing silver out to YouTubers and then banning anybody that covers Pokemon Gold and, you know, seeing if that affects sales. But, like, that's obviously the... <laughs> to insane, see if one of them sells disproportionately better. Yeah. That'd be bizarre. That would be, like, the bizarre, crazy person's approach. Yeah, the, yeah, the problem is you can't get scientific data because you can't have a control. Yeah. Because um, the control would always be a different game with different marketing and a different just different appeals, so it wouldn't yeah. uh, they would never sell identically. But yeah, like of course, coverage of games increases their sales. Otherwise, they wouldn't be trying so hard for coverage of games all the time, forever. Every time anyone, every time an indie developer goes to like Joystick or Polygon or whatever to complain about their failing career and stuff like that, they always talk about like how they cite how like nobody covered their game. Like every yep. single time from like Brigador to like uh, that dungeon crawler tower game. I pl- I was thinking about playing recently where like, yeah, there was a whole dedicated polygon article to be like, oh yeah, no YouTubers covered my game. So I just, I'm fucked. <laughs> I, I jumped in the de- the deep end to do this and it's not paying off. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, this is a, a wonderful age where a lot of people can self-publish. Uh, beforehand, you had to go through major companies, you had to get major funding in order to get any project off off on their feet. But yep. now that you can create your own products and release them online, uh, it's really a lot of it has to be like word of mouth, people giving good reviews. Which is why uh, you have like... There. That's why you have like the developers and publishers of games sometimes like in the comment section, like interacting with fans and stuff like that to try to like put on a good face for the game and everything because like these videos can make or break these people's careers sometimes. Yeah. Like, like I've had the, video uh, put it came out yesterday and has ten thousand views. Like that's that's not inconsiderable. <laughs> that's oh, worth yeah. giving out one free copy that doesn't cost anything to somebody that likely was not going to buy the game otherwise. And then you can turn that into maybe dozens or hundreds of sales. And for larger YouTubers, way more. That's huge. 
Oh, yeah. And back in the day when YouTube Let's Plays were first starting, I remember sometimes I think to myself, oh, will I like a video game? Uh, will I like the characters and what the actual environments are? You know, maybe I'll find a Let's Play and see if this is something that I could actually get yep. into. Yeah. They replaced uh, reviews and demos. The basically. other thing to point out is uh, AAA developers oftentimes... Ha literally half of the budget is marketing. Yep. And so as an indie developer, you can't really afford that. Nope. Uh, so Here's like the idea of people voluntarily promoting your game for the cheap cost of one Steam key, uh, which doesn't even cost the developer anything apart from, I guess, the, the lost sale for that one person. It's like kind of no brainer. It would be an interesting idea to poll like people in your audience and like get enough oh, I don't, of a poll I don't even... to be like, you know, did you buy this game or did you not buy this game because you watched me? Yeah. 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 I mean, on, on a regular see... basis, I pick up an indie game or a puzzle game and people will respond being like, all right, I'm stopping watching now because I need to go play through it now and then come back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you should see the amount of people from my audience that are like, I have played so much Slay the Spire because you started covering this, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's a good game. Yeah, so audience out there, if you ever find yourself doubting that indie games are in desperate, horrible, de like, hungry desire for exposure, just think about the stat that 36.9% of all games on Steam have never been played by a single person ever. Wait, what? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, they really want exposure. <laughs> Because a third of them have never been launched. I suppose I have encountered a number of games that have not even a single review. Yeah, there's a lot of shovelware out there. But yeah, there's the and shovelware too, but there's also like so many games that just like, if that many can be completely unplayed, think about how many just like, ah, I got sold 10 copies. Yeah. <laughs> that was worth Ugh. it, right? Ugh. That'll pay my mortgage for this week. <laughs> oh. I think that's all the time we have, right? On I that depressing note. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys yeah, next time. we have time. to cut this a little bit short uh, for various reasons. But it's my fault. We'll go with that. <laughs> for yeah. various reasons that are all my fault. Yeah, no, we'll, we just we'll, we'll go with it. It's my fault. So. Now it's Divinity's cool. fault. Let's place blame <laughs> where, it, where it belongs. See you guys next time. Yeah. Uh